listening to the teaching of Doxa Church. Doxa is located in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and our mission is to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Last week we started our new series, Forward for Eternity. And this is a change of pace for us because we're not just going through a book of the Bible, but we are focusing specifically on this opportunity that has been presented to our church. We are on the precipice of purchasing our first building. And with this amazing opportunity, I felt led to do a series, a topical series, specifically about the priceless reward of investing in Christ's church. Christ's church. Now, I know that sounds exciting for many of us because a lot of you have signed up for, uh, for a couple options to, to fast and pray, to align your heart and your will to God's will. A lot of us love the church. We love what God is doing in our lives. And yeah, we can get fired up about that, right? But I have preached long enough, I've, I've been alive long enough to know that just preaching about the power and the purpose of the church doesn't pull everyone in. It's not, it's not something that gets everybody fired up. Not all of you are in love with the church. That's just the reality. Some of us are skeptical. Some of us are even resentful towards the church. And if that's you, I want you to know, I'm still really glad you're here. Thank you for being here, right? Like, I, I'm glad you are still here. God has still called you here, and, and, and we're glad to have you, seriously. But Jesus Christ loves the church. And even though the church never gets everything right because we're full of people, Jesus gave his life and shed his blood. He purchased the church with his own blood. So he has chosen the church to be his living, breathing body here on earth to show the glory of God, to share the truth of God, and to love the world. That's our calling. And what we saw last week in Romans 12.1 isn't just for the church. It's a universal principle of the way God made the world. One of his truths is that you will find freedom, joy, peace, not in being a consumer, not in just pursuing what you love and your own passions and fulfilling your own desires, which is the way the world thinks, but rather you will find lasting commitment contentment, and joy in sacrifice. Sacrifice. This week, my family watched the movie Les Miserables, and uh, some of you may, may have seen that. We strategically fast-forwarded a few parts, skipped a few scenes, uh, but we've had this audio, the audio CD of the musical in our car since 
the movie came out in like 2013, okay? So we've listened to a lot of the songs before, and Beckham is, is a kid who just loves history, so he's all about the French Revolution. He, he understands the whole story. Like, he's understood the whole story for, like, years because he'll ask what these songs are about, and I've explained it. Packs them, and it was all new to him. But we watched this movie, right? Most of it, maybe about 60% of the movie. And... and uh, <laughs> And what struck me in watching this movie was how Jean Valjean, his entire life, was about sacrifice. From the moment that he was shown radical grace, and he had this conversion where he met God, he found God, he started, he turned his life from being a bitter man on the run. For those of you, I mean, this is no spoilers here, right? This story was written in 1862. So if you haven't heard it by now, it's all right. I'll just, we'll talk about it for a minute, right? Like he's, he's a bitter man on the run. He'd been in jail for 19 years for something, for, for something he didn't even deserve to go to jail for. He gets out of jail. Um, and then he's shown this radical grace. He turns his life around. Um, he, he has a business of repute. He's a hard worker. Things are going really well. And then he decides to go adopt an orphan girl, Cosette. And he gives his life to raise this girl. And it's an amazing story. He even goes as far as to risk his own life to rescue the man that his daughter loved. And he, and he pulls him out of this battle scene. Like, it's just a, a powerful movie. Jean Valjean lived a life of sacrifice. Everything hinged on sacrifice. He gave everything for those around him when he found love. He loved so whether you love the church or whether you're just trying to figure out what you're doing with your life, God's created this world with a unique secret. And the sooner you find it, the better off you're going to be. Sacrifice is the key that unlocks joy and peace. Now, a lot of people realize that. But here's the second piece of this. What we started talking about last week in Romans 12. You can't have sacrifice without love. Love and sacrifice go hand in hand. Sacrifice comes from love. Ultimately, it goes all the way back to our God, our creator, our sustainer. And it was seen most vividly in the cross of Jesus Christ, where his matchless, never-ending love led him to sacrifice his life so that we could receive forgiveness and redemption. And all of that is why we started this series right here in Romans 12, verse 1. Take a look at it with me. Romans 12, 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So what is true, true worship? The answer is right here in this verse. It's presenting your body as a living sacrifice. Maybe you are struggling in your life to find purpose. Maybe you are restless and you don't really know where to go and where to start. If that's you, let's just cut to the chase. The question isn't just, are you sacrificing for anything? The question is, are you presenting your body as a living sacrifice? Because if you're not doing that, you're not living the way God has intended for you to live. And if you're not sacrificing yet, you're pretty far away from the feelings of fulfillment. 
But maybe you are sacrificing. You're just sacrificing for the wrong thing. Maybe your sacrifice is dedicated towards something else that, in effect, you have put over God. And instead of worshiping Jesus Christ, you're worshiping the gift of God, one of the great things that he has given you in your life. Maybe it's another passion. Passions are good, just not when they're over Jesus Christ. So we spent the majority of our time last week on verse 1. And this message is part two of true spiritual worship. And the focus today is going to be on verse 2. So there are three important pieces of presenting your body as a living sacrifice. And look at verse 2 with me for the first one. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So the first way that you present your body as a living sacrifice, number one, do not be conformed to this world. Have you ever thought about what makes people non-conforming? Some people, are, some people like to conform. Some people don't, right? Uh, one time, Julie and I did the DISC test. Some of you have probably done the DISC test. And, uh, and we both, Julie and I both, scored about as low as you could possibly score on compliance. <laughs> So just think about that for a second. You know, we've noticed that in our marriage, I could say. Uh, we've also seen that with our kids, all right? Specifically our oldest, our oldest child. Like, uh, we don't have a lot of that in our, in our blood, I guess. But I'm not talking about if you're a compliant person or an uncompliant person. That's not my question. What makes regular people stop complying? What is it that does that? Well, back to Les Miserables for a second. There were a few songs about this, if you remember the musical. During the French Revolution, they, saw, they sang a lot of songs similar to the sentiment that we hear in that musical. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you the lyrics to one of these songs, and I want you to listen closely to the to lyrics and see if you can find what makes people discontent to the point that they're ready to rebel. We need a sign to rally the people. A call and call them to arms, to bring them in line. It is time for us all to decide who we are. Do we fight for the right to a night at the opera now? Have you asked of yourselves, what's the price you might pay? Is it simply a game for a rich young boy to play? The colors of the world are changing day by day. Red, the blood of angry men. Black, the dark of ages past. Red, a world about to dawn. Black, the night that ends at last. Remember that song? It's passionate. It's powerful. But did you catch it? What makes regular people stop complying? Well, for one, it's when your government is so corrupt that you work all day just to scrape by. And at the end of the day, you're another day older. At the end of the day, you're another day colder, right? Like, that doesn't help people when you're in misery. Now, there's a million layers to the French Revolution, but what I want you to see here in this illustration is that people stop conforming to the status quo when they are desperate, right? You can be inconvenienced. You can get pretty upset, but if your life is still relatively stable, you can still color mostly within the lines and conform. 
Because at the end of the day, it's still a net benefit to comply. But as a Christian who wants to worship God and present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, you cannot conform to this world anymore. It doesn't go together. It doesn't work. Which means you have to see the world for what it is. The world without Christ is a place of desperation. The world without Christ is hopeless. It's a facade. It's a game that people play. And there are no real winners. Because without sacrifice in worship, you don't even have true love. You have self-love that ends in disgrace because it's about more about you getting what you want. So not conforming to the world begins to happen when you see how lost the world is and when you truly see the hopelessness of the world without Christ. That's when you who are desperate to walk away from that world and, and, you're, and you're desperate to follow Christ, follow Jesus, because he gives you life, he gives you hope, and you're desperate for eternity with him. So that begs the question, how do you spend your time? How do you spend your money? What do you invest in? Is it the same rat race that the world is running? Do boats and vacation homes bring peace? The world tells you they do. Now there's a kernel of truth to it, absolutely, because getting away on the beach can be peaceful. It absolutely can. Even enjoying a boat and getting away from your usual schedule, whatever that looks like, relaxing. Yes, that, there is a benefit to that. And I'm not bashing those things at all. It's just that the world tells you that that's the way you find peace when really it's not the source of peace. It's just a vehicle of peace. If you are making mountains or, or a hike your source of peace, you're close, but you're not actually quite there yet. True lasting peace comes from a relationship with God. It's when you present your body as a living sacrifice. Then you can fully enjoy all of those vehicles that God has given you to enjoy them with, to enjoy him with. Own a beach house if you're able. If you're able to do that, wonderful. Leverage that for good to serve others for God's glory to get away and ref refresh your relationship with God. That's awesome. It's just that we don't live for that as an end of its, in, on and of its in, as an end in and of itself. You see what I'm trying to say? <laughs> Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed. Okay, great. Got that. But still a lot harder than it sounds, right, David? I mean, I, I want to do that, but it's, it's hard to kind of think that way at times. Well, look at the rest of the verse. By the renewal of your mind, that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. And this is the second way that you present your body as a living sacrifice. Number two, renew your mind. Renew your minds. Notice you're not transforming yourself. God is the one who is doing the transforming. But again, here's your responsibility. It's be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So this is something that you actively need to do. This is your part. You see the imperative command there? 
This is pretty important. So how do you renew your mind? Good question. The only way to think less like the world thinks and to think the way God thinks about things is to immerse yourself in God's truth. It's pretty simple. Renewing your mind comes from listening to truth-based music. Renewing your mind comes from listening to sermons that elevate Jesus Christ. Not just any sermons, but sermons that make Jesus Christ the hero, not man as the hero. Because if man's the hero, well, that just turns into a pep talk. Mass is a sermon that ends up being counterproductive in the end. Number three, renewing your mind comes from listening to biblical-based content, whether that's podcasts, whether that's conversations, whether that's Bible studies. All of those things are going to help you renew your mind to see truth, to see God's truth. But above all, the way to renew your mind is to read and meditate God's word for yourself. You can't put those other ones over this. Reading and meditating on God's word is irreplaceable. And when you read God's word, you need to talk to him. You need to slow down and listen. What is he saying to you? What does this say about you? What does this say about him? And what is the spirit saying to you? How is, how is he leading your heart? There's no better way to properly digest something than to go to directly to the source. Now, <clears throat> Many of you here in this room, not all of you, but many of you, so those of you who are not, please bear with me for a second. I think you'll still benefit from this illustration. But many of you are Star Wars fans. All right, we got any Star Wars fans in the room? Yeah, we have a few. I know we do. Uh, There's a new Star Wars show out right now, season three of The Mandalorian. And I know I'm about to ruffle some feathers with this statement. (laughs) I've watched the first three episodes... And I've tuned out. I've just tuned out myself. Like, I, I'm not trying to offend anyone in here who loves it. It just wasn't for me, okay? It just was, it wasn't for me. I, I couldn't understand why the decisions were ma- being made and the writing the way it was. It wasn't for me. Now, I'm not trying to sound elitist. It just hasn't been for me for a bunch of reasons that you don't want me to get into right now. I may get around to watching it later. But I just don't love it. I'm just not feeling it. Now, does that sound familiar to anyone in regards to how we digest God's word? It's not just for, it's just not for me. I'll get around to it maybe later. Like, I don't really totally get it. And a lot of people feel that way about the Bible. So now, this is where it really gets interesting. What I've done with the Star Wars show, The Mandalorian, is I've kept up with the show by watching other content creators talk about the show. And I know you can laugh at me. You, you, you can judge me right now. It's the truth. Um, is it a good idea? I don't know. I don't know. But I've digested the, the show through the lens of someone else. Some people who dig it, some people who hate it. Like I, I, I've, I've kept up with it. I've listened to other people talk about the show. And I haven't even watched the last, I don't know, like six episodes myself. 
So I'm listening to other geeks give me their interpretation instead of just watching it for myself. I am that person. But I wasn't feeling it. And the writing of the show confused me. And the decisions the characters were making were just off to me. So that's what I did. Now, it's one thing to do that with a Disney Star Wars product. It's a whole other thing to do that with the living, breathing word of God. Okay? We're not talking about something trivial anymore right here. We're talking about God's truth. Is it healthy to renew your mind by listening to sermons, singing songs, listening to podcasts, reading books? Yes, yes, yes. But don't ever get to the point that you just listen to what other people say about it and don't go directly to the source yourself and listen directly from God. Spend your time going directly to God's word. You you can do that with other content that you never want to watch again. You can't afford to do that with God's truth. The Bible is God's revealed will. And we can supplement our minds with other teachers and other Christians who have similar life experiences, but nothing comes close to hearing directly from God. Even if we don't like it, even if we don't understand it, you can't afford to tune out. Because this isn't entertainment. This is life and death. It's God's revealed and preserved truth for you that you need to conform your thoughts to, your feelings to, and your emotions to, and not just pick it up when you feel like it, when you get around to it. As a Christian, we have the light. We are no longer in darkness. So we can't keep thinking the same way. We have to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. And going to God's word and talking to Jesus with, and talking about Jesus with other Christians and sharing the truth of what God has taught you to other Christians and to people who don't even know God, that's what it's all about. All of this is an active way of renewing your mind. Spiritual worship is an act of the mind, body, and the heart. Look again at the second half of verse 2. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. And this is number three today. Discern the will of God. Now, do you want to hear something scary? Just because you know the Bible doesn't mean you know God. Most, if not all, of the Pharisees in Jesus' day had the entire first five books of the Bible memorized. Do you hear that? It's over 5,000 verses. They knew it up here. They knew what the word of God said, but they didn't even know Jesus, the son of God, when he was staring them in the face. They couldn't recognize him. That's scary to me. Knowing God in your head and knowing knowing God's word in your head is not the same as personally knowing God and having a relationship with him. What could be worse than having the words of God and not knowing their purpose? It's like having a treasure map, but never finding the treasure. I mean, what good is that going to do for you, really? So the purpose of reading the Bible isn't only to know the Bible but it's to know the author. 
Did you hear that? The purpose of reading the Bible isn't only to know the Bible, but to know its author, the Holy Spirit, and to believe in its hero, Jesus Christ, so that you can live with God the Father for eternity. This week, Julie and I uh, released the second episode in this parenting series that we're doing on the podcast. And Julie and I are no experts by any means. We are totally in the middle of it. We have our hands full. So as we get in the Word of God and we're looking at passages that teach on parenting, we're just sharing that with you and we're joining you to to the table to join the dialogue. But as we're going through all these key passages of Scripture and breaking those down, the first podcast was on Ephesians 6, 4, not provoking your children to anger, but raising them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. So one of the things we talked about on that podcast was breaking the will of your child. And that may sound like an outdated, harsh concept to you, but what that really means is we all have a sinful selfish nature and a, and a heart that is enslaving because it's, it's what we want to do. It's our will. And we put that above everything else. That's the way people, um, that's the way people are made apart from Christ. That's the way we are. So to break the will of your child is to do everything you can to eradicate their controlling selfish will that puts themselves at the center of their world. So one of the things family teach kids you're not, at the, you're, not, you're not the center of the world, of the universe. Kids who grow up and, and the world revolves around them don't usually turn out to be great adults, do they? So breaking the will of your child has nothing to do with repressing their personality or shaping them into your image. That's horrible. That's, that's a distortion. Breaking the enslaving, self-centered will sets them free to joyful obedience. It's a key component to true spiritual worship. Presenting your body as a living sacrifice. Loving God and worshiping God means you don't live for your will and your way. You have surrendered your will to him. So that means you are not your own. You were bought with a price. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So when we become like Jesus Christ, we think the same way he thinks. And do you remember what Jesus said about God's will in John 6, 38? For I came not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So how do you test and discern the will of God? Well, I kind of already gave you the answer to that question earlier. It's through prayer, and it's through the Word of God. The Word of God is the will of God. He's revealing to you what, how He has created this world, how He has designed you, what He wants you to do, how you can show His glory, how you can be fulfilled, how you can live life to the fullest. Your spiritual worship. And if you know Christ, and you have the Holy Spirit indwelling you, When you read the word of God, it is living and active and it will move your heart, your mind, and your emotions and it will move you to true spiritual worship. The only way we stay centered on true worship 
clearly according to this passage of Scripture, is when we stay rooted in God's Word. That's it. God's Word inspires us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. God's Word renews our minds, and God's Word is the measuring rod by which we determine God's will for our lives. So what this passage is teaching you is that you don't have to settle for whatever happens to you in this life. You aren't a slave to someone else's passions. You don't have to grind it out and conform to how someone else is telling you to live your life. You don't have to do any of that. And there's so many people that have fallen for the lie of Satan that says Christians are just drudging through life, duty-bound. That living for God is a chore, and it takes the fun out of life. The truth of the matter is, yes, freedom. Christians, Christians who are trying, though, to straddle the fence and live with an appearance of godliness and at the same time still live according to the ways of the world, I mean, those people are duty-bound. Those people aren't having a good time. Those are some of the most miserable people in the world are, are Christians who aren't sacrificing and worshiping God the way they were designed to do it. They're trying to, to dip in both, to dip toes in both ends of the pool. Deep down, they feel pressure to perform and they, they think they can find joy and fulfillment in the same things that the world lives for. Money, popularity, success. What does this say to you? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind and discern the will of God. So once you start living for God's glory, you will desire to invest in eternity, not just the present here and now. And it's no longer what is reasonable or socially acceptable or what is safe. No, it's not that at all. It's what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Not reasonable, safe. Like, no, no, we're not follow, falling in line with everyone else, going their own way, trying to figure it out, just following the crowd. We're not doing that at all. We've aligned our hearts to our creator. We serve a risen savior. We have a bigger purpose in life. It's exciting. We're talking about shelving compliance to the world's wisdom and living by a different set of rules. Living for God's eternal kingdom rather than man's temporal kingdom. Richard team, you can come up right here. So the only question that's left is, what do you want to do? Do you want to live the same rat race that the rest of the world is running? I mean, how's that working out for them? Do you want to be a Christian who knows better but is still mentally repressed to the promises and the dreams of this world and they're being held back? Or do you want to feel and know God's perfect will for your life? That's where I'm at, and I think that's honestly where most of us would say, like, yeah, that's where I need to get, I need to get there. 
If you want to experience life to the fullest, it doesn't matter how much money you have saved up, how nice of a car you drive, or how big your house is. Joy comes from sacrifice. And sacrifice is driven by love. God loves you. That's why he sent his son Jesus to die for you. Jesus loves you, which is why he went to the cross and paid the ultimate sacrifice. Do you realize this morning that there is someone who loves you so much they gave it all so that you may live? That's our Savior. That's our God. He purchased your life with his own blood. Sacrifice is driven by love, and you are loved. These two, first two verses clearly tell us to present your body as a living sacrifice. This is your spiritual worship. And when we do that, when we find that, when we believe that, we are going to find a joy and peace in life that is simply unexplainable. about the topic of this sermon or if you would like someone to follow up with you about applying this to your life please reach out to us at info at doxaupstate.church you are loved